Remember the 90s, when MTV still played music videos, when people still bought physical copies of albums, and when legendary musicians like Kurt Cobain and Dimebag Daryl still walked the earth? Well, now you can once again relive that decade every week on KBGA because your favorite 90s radio show, Sounds Like Teen Spirit, is back and better than ever. It's still the best show on KBGA to hear artists like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Sublime, Megadeth, Primus, and more. Again, that's Sounds Like Teen Spirit. Now on Sundays from 8 to 10 p.m., only on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. Quicksand kicking off this program with Thorn in My Side off their 1995 album Manic Compression. Welcome to the award-winning Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I'm your weather-worn host, Ian. This episode includes music from artists like the Foo Fighters, Sponge, Mazzy Star, Porno for Pyros, Silverchair, Less Than Jake, Nas, Oleander, Ween, and the Jesus and Mary Chain. Plus, I'm going to be reviewing and playing a song apiece from the new Super Chunk album Wild Loneliness, released on February 25th, 
The new Stabbing Westward album, Chasing Ghosts, and new Cypress Hill album, Back in Black, both released on March 18th. The new Weezer EP, Seasons, Spring, released on the 20th. And the self-titled debut of Foo Fighters offshoot, Dream Widow, released on the 25th. I'll start with Stabbing Westward. The last time we got a new Stabbing Westward album, over 20 years ago, the band was at odds with its record label and management, who were pushing them into the more melodic and less agitated sound displayed on their 2001 self-titled. The band broke up less than a year later and would not reunite again until 2016. At first they were taking a casual, undisciplined, let's just see where it goes approach with their reunion, but six years and two EPs later, Stabbing Westward have finally given us their long overdue fifth studio album, Chasing Ghosts. And as you might expect from the band's first album since 2001, it is very much a course correction. Rather than taking after their more inviting and accessible self-titled album, you know, the one that killed the band, Chasing Ghosts instead feels like the logical follow-up to the one before that, 1998's Darkest Days, which is often regarded as the most quintessential Stabbing Westward album. The band's signature gothic and industrial elements, which they had been forced to sand down in 2001, have reared up their ugly heads once more, replete with their original horns and teeth. It's not all darkness and jagged edges, though, as Christopher Hall's vocals are still too powerful to offend, and Walter Flakus' keys are ever versatile, infusing each of the songs with just as much lightness as they individually require. By and large, Chasing Ghosts sounds like the most definitive version of Stabbing Westward, with several songs, such as Damaged Goods, Control Z, and Ghost, managing to hit that exact mid-to-late 90s sweet spot. However, there is also some relatively uncharted territory explored on the album, with a pair of seven-and-a-half-minute tracks slickly using their extended length to sprawl out in new directions. Flakus in particular gets to shine on these two songs, carrying them on his shoulders notably more than average. The first of these is Push, a densely layered and ominous yet perfectly melodic slow burner that reminds me of several similar songs from their second and third albums, but this one commits further to the atmospheric angle than pretty much any of them. And the second such song on Chasing Ghosts, closing track at the end, actually commits even further than that and essentially just boils down to a series of soundscapes that Christopher Hall sings over, but the resulting effect is undeniably moving. As a whole, Chasing Ghosts feels to be of sufficiently meaty value, with its 10 songs clocking in at over 51 minutes in total, and even its rehashes don't really feel like such. Three of the 10 songs, Cold, Crawl, and Dead and Gone, were initially released on the Dead and Gone EP more than two years ago, and although the differences between the original versions and the album versions are subtle, it doesn't exactly feel like a mere copy-paste job. These songs were intricately woven into the fabric of the album, and in that context, I felt like I was hearing them for the first time all over again. Ultimately, Chasing Ghosts is safer than it could have been, and in fact, some listeners might dismiss much of the album as been there, done that, but it nonetheless makes for a satisfying comeback from Stabbing Westward, boasting a fair share of welcomingly familiar notes and more encouraging experimentation than there appears to be on the surface. Alright, this next track is one of my favorites from the album, and while most of it reminded me of those quintessential second and third ones from 1996 and 98, this song harkens back more to the band's 1994 debut Ungod, with its heavier and edgier feel. This is the album's would-be title track, Wasteland. That was the working title for Chasing Ghosts, you see. Well, enjoy!
bones been out all night. Can you hear scratching at the screen door? Can you hear scratching at the screen door? The bag of bones been out all night. He needs some petting and loving on his head. He needs some petting and loving on his rain soaked hide. He's circling around my ankle. He's circling around my ankle. He needs some petting and loving on his head. Hey, kitty, won't you come inside? Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I want to touch it. Meow, 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 meow. So satisfied, a pussy burning, looking so satisfied. I'm lost in his little yellow round eye, lost in his little yellow round eye. Pussy burning, looking so satisfied. A kitty wrap and scratch me through my jeans. A kitty wrap and scratch me through my jeans. You kitty, you're gonna spend the night. You kitty, you're gonna spend the night. You kitty, you're gonna spend the night outside. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. Kitty, I'm a foot and I wanna touch it. portion of KBGA is brought to you by Imagination Brewing Company. By supporting over 1,700 community events in its educational center, Imagination brews handcrafted beer to make a positive impact on Missoula and beyond. For more information about what's on tap, weekly live music offerings, or to reserve the center, call 406-926-1251 or visit imaginationbrewing.com.
2000 G. Yo, I need an encore, y'all. You should welcome me back. You want a ball till you fall? I can help you with that. You want beef? I can let a slug melt in your hat. Cause I'm a wild barbarian. Too hard, I'm scaring them. Century 21 solar eclipse. While you listen to the words that I wrote on the disc. Balonius, my description is do rag. Pants sag down to my feet. AK is my heat. A day in the street. Till I lay six feet. QB, PJs, and we playing for keeps. Jewelry, cars, and Jeeps is my motto. Four fives with the hollows. Silences on the nozzles. Pop bottles for those who left here. The best years. We in the bulletproof best years. The aim for the head and chest years. What's your name? Make your name known for the next year. Better rap, yeah. Nasty, nice to Esco, the Escobar. Now he is Nostradamus. Nasty, nice to Esco, the Escobar. Now he is Nostradamus. Nasty, nice to Esco, the Escobar. Now he is Nostradamus. Nasty, nice to Esco, the Escobar. Now he is Nostradamus. I let y'all and bang my ish before Saddam hits. Let Nostradamus tell us what time it is. I was the first one on that dawn ish. First again to sing a hook on some TJ Swans. This black ski mask up in the projects. Camouflage full clips. Run up in your crib top. Your if where the bricks and we loco. So broke, brown coke won't sell. Spending your money on weed smoke in hotels. Hood rats and bullet wound up females. Got babies for hustlers and again in jail. Slinging for chips to fiends with burnt fingertips. Space heads kill cab drivers just for a hit. A week later, sporting gators getting thrills. My honey's wearing Gucci high hills. She come to scoop me, I chill. Leave the streets alone for a sec. Hit the sky bar on sunset. Then the sex is so high tech. Uh, nasty, nice to Esco, the Escobar. Now he is Nostradamus. Nasty, nice to Esco, the Escobar. Now he is Nostradamus. Nasty, nice to Esco, the Escobar. Now he is Nostradamus. Now lounge on, boy, you in the godly zone Rest in peace, ill well, now your name's in the throne And we gon' rep it the best that we can Physically, you was killed by the weapons of men But where you at now, you lamp lady Max now While brave hearts put they rap down In honor of your name, you a legend And they don't understand how you see yo from heaven But that's another level, brethren Two G's, we got the tight fan with Mac 11 We do squeeze, though it's not right, but that's the zone that we left in Bentleys, Porsches, Piaget, watches Sick with the bread Lamborghini trucks topless Laptops with a hundred gigabytes Ninja bikes And we all roll dice For each other's ice Now how did one guy Multiply to more than five wise guys But all in one man Only the minds I can understand That I'm Nasty, Nasta Esco The
mind your P's and Q's, Buster, and remember who you're dealing with. KBGA Missoula, The Cabbage. Megadeth with 1320. 
off their 2009 album, Endgame. Megadeth have finally locked down a firm release date for their long-overdue 16th studio album. It's been known for quite some time that the album will be titled The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead, but only recently has it been given a street date of July 8th. This will be the first new Megadeth album in over six years following 2016's Dystopia. That is far and away the longest album gap to date for Megadeth, who typically never take more than two to three years between albums. The road to The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead has been plagued by multiple obstacles that eventually took a turn for the ridiculous. The first of these came in 2019 when frontman Dave Mustaine was diagnosed with throat cancer. Progress on the album was sidelined while he underwent chemotherapy, which is understandable as Mustaine's physical health should have absolutely taken preeminence. Fortunately, he survived and declared himself cancer-free in early 2020. Then the pandemic hit around the time that Megadeth was ready to record, and they had to delay the album even further on account of being unable to get into a studio to do the deed. Okay, still reasonable. After all, we're living in uncertain times, and that was especially the case during those initial weeks of lockdown, though plenty of other artists were able to get their albums recorded around that time without use of a public studio. Finally, the album was all but finished roughly a year ago when it came to light that original bassist David Ellefson was cheating on his marriage with a much, much younger but still of legal age woman. In response, Mustaine not only fired Ellefson, but also brought on a mystery bassist last summer to re-record all of his bass tracks for the upcoming album, and that's where my patience drew a line in the sand. I'm not defending Ellefson's actions by any stretch and would in fact concur that they were unscrupulous, but they should have just remained an issue between himself and his family. It was one thing for Mustaine to fire him, but to then retroactively erase Ellefson from the new Megadeth album he helped to write just came across to me as an incredibly petty move, not to mention resulting in one more album delay than I was willing to stomach. Anyway, the so-called mystery bassist was recently revealed to be Testament's Steve DiGiorgio, so the album's bass tracks are still in good hands. However, the official replacement for Ellefson within the band is still being determined, though former bassist James Lomenzo is currently filling in for their live shows. As for the new album's lead single, Killing Time, well, I was hoping I'd be able to comment on it in this episode, but despite Mustaine suggesting two weeks ago that the song could be released, quote, any day now, it still hasn't materialized as of press time. Therefore, those thoughts will likely have to wait until my full review of The Sick, The Dying, and The Dead in a few months. Alright, before Megadeth, I played Tilt by Fu Manchu off their 1995 album Daredevil, Nostradamus by Nas, off his 1999 album of the same name, Blood and Alphabet Soup by Marcy Playground, off their 2004 album MP3, and Kitty by the Presidents of the United States of America, off their 1995 self-titled. Once again, you're listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com slts2, and to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org slash teen-spirit. Alright, next I'm going to be reviewing and playing a song from the new Super Chunk album, Wild Loneliness. These past several years of American life have been, well, strange to say the least, and Super Chunk have been trying to make sense of it all right along with us. 
The last time we heard from them, roughly four years ago, we were right in the midst of the most chaotic and polarizing administration in all of our country's history, and at that point, the ban was aggravated. The result of that pent-up frustration was 2018's What a Time to Be Alive, a punchy, sardonic, politically charged rager of an album that rocked harder than Superchunk had rocked in roughly two decades. In the time since, the aforementioned administration ended, but by then a tenacious global pandemic had emerged and fundamentally reshaped the ways we interact with the world, and more than two years after its arrival, things have settled into an uncertain yet unexciting equilibrium despite some encouraging steps forward. And once again, Superchunk have responded astutely with their latest album, 2022's Wild Loneliness. Acting almost as a deliberate foil to the previous album, this one ends up settling into a hesitant and melancholy, but ultimately relaxed groove, giving us the side of Super Chunk that largely went neglected on What a Time to Be Alive. Instead of angry, this time the band comes off weary and forlorn, relieved that at least some of the noise and drama from recent years has simmered down, but too exhausted and jaded to summon much enthusiasm. Some of the lyrics here seem to be at least vaguely alluding to pandemic life, but for the most part, the album's inspiration stems from the general cynicism that comes with growing older and struggling to find reasons to continue trying. However, even though it isn't exactly as turbulent as the last album, it's not a total bummer either, as there are enough flashes of sunshine to keep it out of the mire. I guess singer-slash-songwriter Mac McCoffin must still be an optimist at heart. Overall, though, this isn't my favorite shade of Super Chunk, and I found myself sort of missing the band's sporadically manic punk rock energy. The bulk of Wild Loneliness can be classified as mid-tempo indie rock, and that same mood and tempo remain steadfast pretty much all throughout. As a result, the album sometimes gets repetitive or redundant, and some of its songs just fail to register with me even after multiple listens. Although the album does periodically succeed in mixing things up with its incorporation of acoustic strings, horns, and keys, those really only carry it so far. Amid its ten songs, there's just one track that can be emphatically called a rocker, Refracting, and for that matter, there's also only one that can be considered a ballad, the closing track, If You're Not Dark, and that one's really more of a power ballad, if anything, since it builds its way to an electric crescendo by the end of the first chorus. Ultimately, the highlights of Wild Loneliness for me were opening track City of the Dead, On the Floor, Highly Suspect, and aforementioned change-ups refracting and If You're Not Dark, but I could pretty much take or leave all the rest. However, although I wasn't quite over the moon for this particular Super Chunk album, I enjoyed enough of it to suggest it would be well-received by the general fan community, at least. Alright, next I'm going to be playing one of those highlights I just rattled off, the stringy album opener City of the Dead. After my initial spin of the album, I wondered if I only enjoyed that one so much because it went first and therefore felt fresher to me, but after revisiting all the songs on an individual basis, I still found it to be among the album's best. So here you go! Enjoy! Miles in the evening 
listening to clear your head Still wake up each day Oh, in the city of the dead So many things you can't undo Well, you can only push through And turn all your dirt over Until the thing that grows is new Yeah. 
Roberts, who gives a damn about those call letters? KBGA, KGBA, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know where the music's at, don't you? Stupid.
This is Silver Sprocket, host of Something Else, live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. right here on KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM. I feature avant-garde, electroacoustic, free jazz, and more creative music every week. You'll get to hear advanced new releases straight from the artists and record labels before anybody else and extensive interviews with the artists themselves. How about you give something else a try? Live every Wednesday from 8 to 10 p.m. on KBGA Missoula, 89.9 FM, and streaming at kbga.org.
Riders with Cold Day in the Sun off their 2005 album In Your Honor. On this episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit, we mourn the loss of Foo Fighters drummer Taylor Hawkins, who passed away on March 25th, roughly a month after his 50th birthday, while the band was on tour in South America. No cause of death has been made official yet, but at this time, the prevailing theory is an overdose. Hawkins had a history of heavy drug use, and in fact OD'd on heroin in 2001, putting himself in a coma for weeks. He'd been essentially clean over the two decades since, but didn't abstain from drugs completely, and may have been on a relapse around the time of his death. His toxicology report supposedly found 10 unique substances in his system, including opioids, antidepressants, marijuana, and benzodiazepine. That may seem pretty damning, but keep in mind we still don't know all 10 of the specific substances, not to mention any of their quantities. Also, according to some reports, his heart was found to be enlarged in a way consistent with heart disease, so I think we'll need to wait for the facts to come in before jumping to conclusions. Hawkins played his last show with the Foo Fighters at Lollapalooza, Argentina on March 20th, and he was set to perform in Colombia on the 25th before being found unresponsive in his Bogota hotel room earlier that evening. Understandably, the show was cancelled, and from there the Foo went ahead and nixed all other shows scheduled this year, yes, including the one in Big Sky, Montana, as well as their planned performance at the 2022 Grammys in early April. However, the band still had a major presence at this year's Grammys, despite not actually being present. An emotional tribute to Hawkins preceded the Grammys In Memoriam segment, and the band ended up winning in every category they were nominated in, netting three awards. Best Rock Album for 2021's Medicine at Midnight, Best Rock Song for Waiting on a War, and Best Rock Performance for Making a Fire. Before you entertain the idea that this was done out of condolence, bear in mind that the Foo tend to sweep the Rock Grammys pretty much every time they release an album, having previously won Best Rock Album on four other occasions. Also, Medicine at Midnight was pretty damn solid. Perhaps condolence was a factor to some degree, but of course, no amount of awards could fill the Taylor-sized hole now left in the world. Taylor Hawkins was a gargantuan talent and an almost omnipresent force in rock and roll. As a drummer, he was the complete package, complex and disciplined, often playing on imposingly massive kits, yet at the same time, completely huffing ballistic. Much like his Foo Fighters compadre Dave Grohl, Hawkins pounded the skins like they owed him money. One only needed to see him in a live setting to know his prowess, and I'm very grateful to have had that opportunity when the Foo came to Missoula with Motorhead in 2011. Hawkins made a 20-minute drum solo feel instantaneous with incredible showmanship and an infectious sense of passion. It's not easy to upstage Grohl in the field under which he first rose to prominence, but Hawkins had certainly done so that night and presumably on many others as well. Hawkins originally joined the Foo Fighters in 1997 and played drums on all the band's albums to date starting with 1999's There Is Nothing Left To Lose. However, he also made substantial contributions to the band in the vocal department. His backing vocals can be heard on virtually every Foo Fighters song that has backing vocals, and he was even allowed to sing lead on a few of them, like the song you just heard. Of course, the Foo Fighters is but one facet of Taylor Hawkins' vast musical legacy. Before the Foo, Hawkins was the drummer for Alanis Morissette's band, holding that position from 1995 to 1997. 
He didn't record on the iconic Jagged Little Pill album, but he was on the tour in support of it and can be heard on the 1997 release Jagged Little Pill Live. And somehow, even after committing full-time to the Foo, Hawkins still managed to stick his fingers in all sorts of different pies. He had his solo band, Taylor Hawkins and the Coattail Riders, the 70s hard rock covers band Chevy Metal, and the Birds of Satan, which he'd formed with two of his Chevy Metal bandmates. He'd also recorded with the likes of Elton John, Miley Cyrus, Coheed and Cambria, and two different Jane's Addiction members, Perry Farrell and Eric Avery. At the time of his death, he was part of the new supergroup NHC with two other Jane's Addiction members, Dave Navarro and Chris Chaney, the latter of whom was also in the Coattail Riders. They'd finished recording their debut album in 2021 and intend to release it posthumously sometime later this year. Hawkins had also been especially occupied with the Foo Fighters during his final year of life. In addition to releasing the Medicine at Midnight album in early 2021 and touring for it as much as the pandemic would allow, the Foo Fighters were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year, and just this past February, they released the horror comedy film Studio 666, in which the band, portraying themselves, attempt to record an album in a haunted studio where the fictional metal band Dream Widow was brutally murdered in the 90s. The Foo Fighters likely had much more momentum to expend this year, but Hawkins' sudden passing has undoubtedly taken all the wind out of their sails. I'm sure they'll recover and pick up the pieces eventually, but this wound's going to take a long time to heal. Godspeed, boys, and rest in peace, Taylor. Before the Foo Fighters, I played God's Dice by Pearl Jam off their 2000 album Binaural. Black Girlfriend by Porno for Pyros, off their 1993 self-titled. Benign by Oleander, off their 2001 album Unwind. And Nervous in the Alley by Less Than Jake, off their 1998 album Hello Rockview. You're still listening to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen spirit. All right, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new self-titled album from Foo Fighters offshoot Dream Widow. As I briefly touched on in my eulogy to Taylor Hawkins, the Foo Fighters released a horror movie just a couple months back called Studio 666, whose bogeyman was the specter of a fictional metal band murdered at the eponymous studio nearly three decades ago by their possessed lead singer. For the film's companion piece, Dave Grohl conceived a soundtrack album to be recorded as that fictional metal band, Dream Widow, and presented as a lost album from the band. In other words, the one they were working on when they met their gruesome demise. Although the film was released on February 25th, the album didn't come out until March 25th. Yes, that March 25th, but, you know, earlier in the day, when Taylor Hawkins was still known to be alive. Due to the unfortunate timing of its release, Grohl probably now views the album in a bittersweet or perhaps even painful light, and to him, it's likely inexorably linked to the death of his dearest friend. That would be a real shame, because if this first taste is any indication, Dream Widow is just too good a thing to leave alone. Well, I was hoping to, at this moment, be able to rave about what a phenomenal job Hawkins did drumming on the album, but alas, I cannot in good conscience do that right now. Relax, let go of your pearls. The drumming is phenomenal. 
The reason I can't is because Hawkins didn't actually record the drums for this. Grohl recorded most of the album himself, including the drums, but he did have a few additional personnel. Foo Fighters keyboardist Rami Jaffe recorded the keys for a couple of songs, making him the only other Foo member to contribute to the project. Further keys were supplied by newcomer Oliver Roman, and Jim Rota of Fireball Ministry assisted with lead guitar. Together, they've crafted something that transcends its station as a movie tie-in product and ends up being a really strong metal album by any metric. Not content to skillfully render just one style of metal, Grohl weaves between several on Dream Widow's self-titled album, including Thrash, Groove, Sludge, Prog, Doom, Industrial, and Death. He may not be a stranger to heavy music, but this is a side of Dave Grohl we haven't really seen before. He hisses, he screeches, he barks, he howls, he even does gutturals. He also sings cleanly a fair amount, perhaps as a sometimes necessary reminder that you're listening to the same guy that brought us Learn to Fly. He's clearly a scholar of heavy metal, though, showing his love and reverence for the genre by deftly incorporating influence from a disparate array of metal bands. Throughout the album, I heard flashes of bands like Slayer, Testament, Metallica, Exodus, Overkill, The Melvins, Pantera, Typo Negative, Cynic, Fear Factory, Sepultura, Merciful Fate, Corrosion of Conformity, and even Guar. The connective thread linking together this eclectic mix of styles and influences is Grohl and that distinctive Foo Fighter sound he can't help but infuse into any project where he's frontman. It combines with everything surprisingly well, though there are nonetheless a few tracks that are relatively free of Grohl's signature stamp, such as the explosively thrashy 90-second album opener Encino. Honestly, the Dream Widow album gets a lot of mileage out of the novelty of Dave Grohl going full metal, but backing it up is a robust and entertaining LP that is sure to satisfy Foo Fighters fans and metalheads alike. I don't even feel like I needed the kid gloves for this review. I'm certain I'd be just as ecstatic about the album even if there weren't a recent tragedy in the Foo camp. Dream Widow is awesome, and I really hope Grohl doesn't treat it as a one-off and goes down this road again at some point. Alright, next up is one of my favorites from the album, titled Angel with Severed Wings. Enjoy!
James Pants from the Stones Throw label in the forests of Spokane. You are listening to KBGA Missoula 89.9 FM.
Beach Radio. Well, I think I see another side, maybe just another light that shines. And I look over now through the door, and I still belong to no one else. Maybe I hold you to blame for all the reasons that you left. And close my eyes till I see your surprise and your leaving before my time. Baby, won't you change your mind?
it's time to get tuned up. Hold on to your lug nuts, it's time for an overhaul! 889.9 KBGA.
Sponge with Miles off their 1994 album Rotting Piñata. In addition to Taylor Hawkins, last month saw the death of original Sponge guitarist Mike Cross, who passed away on March 6th at the age of 57. As of now, his cause of death remains completely unknown, and there isn't even a kernel of information out there to speculate on. For that matter, there's not a lot of handily available info on the guy in general, so I'll do my best to enlighten you. Mike Cross was one of the founding members of Sponge, along with his brother, bassist Tim Cross, guitarist Joey Mazzola, and singer Vinnie Dombrowski. Initially, they were all in a short-lived band called Loud House, which released an album in 1991 and had a cover of Deep Purple's Smoke on the Water on the soundtrack to the Keanu Reeves film Point Break that same year. However, the band sort of imploded after their frontman Kenny Mugwump left in 1992. From there, Dombrowski switched from drums to lead vocals, Jimmy Paluzzi was recruited to fill the vacated drum slot, and Loud House became Sponge. Cross was one of two guitarists within the band, but between himself and Mazzola, he was the designated lead guitarist, so yes, the iconic riff that kicks off the mid-90s hit Plowed was all his doing. He played lead guitar in the first three Sponge albums, which were 1994's Rotting Piñata, 1996's Wax Ecstatic, and 1999's New Pop Sunday. This period encompassed the band's commercial peak, with their first two albums both charting at around 60 on the Billboard 200, the former even attaining gold certification, and all of their biggest hits spread between them, including Plowed, Molly, Rainin', Have You Seen Mary, and the title track from Wax Ecstatic. Cross ultimately left Sponge in 2000 together with his brother, and the vacuum created by their departure forced the band into a hiatus. Sponge re-emerged roughly a year later without the Cross brothers, and have continued to put out albums ever since, releasing their latest album, Lavatorium, just last summer. As for Cross, well, he apparently shied away from music for most of the past two decades, and not much is actually known about his post-Sponge activity, but he did participate in a reunion of the original lineup as recently as 2018. However, last year he suddenly popped back on the radar with a new solo band called MC Rhodes, which had more of a country rock flavor, but there was definitely a bit of Sponge in their music. MC Rhodes released their debut EP, No Nostalgia, last October, and sadly, that looks to be all she wrote for Cross and his promising young band. Although Mike Cross never attained anywhere near the same levels of fame and musical activity as Taylor Hawkins, he still left his mark on the 90s alternative scene through his work with Sponge, and that's something that will live on forever. May he rest in peace. Anyway, before Sponge, I played Gabrielle by Ween of the 2005 compilation Shinola Volume 1. Hala by Mazzy Star off their 1990 album She Hangs Brightly. Mind Reader by Silver Chair off their 2007 album Young Modern. And American Night by The Bruisers off their 1993 album Cruisin' for a Bruisin'. You're still continuing to listen to Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. To like this show on Facebook, go to facebook.com SLTS2. And to hear this and other episodes of the program after the broadcast, go to kbga.org teen-spirit. Alright, next I'm going to review and play a song from the new Cypress Hill album, Back in Black. 
Just a couple weeks ahead of the release of Back in Black, Cypress Hill's Be Real claimed in an interview with The Independent that it would be the group's last traditional LP. Oh, they're still going to make music, but it will come in the form of one-off singles, collaborations, and other non-traditional releases going forward. Maybe Be Real wasn't speaking definitively or thinking very many years ahead, but if Back in Black really does end up being the final Cypress Hill album, it makes for an incredibly fitting capper to their now 10-disc discography. Over the past couple decades, the group had been experimenting with alternative musical styles, such as reggae on 2004's Till Death Do Us Part, hard rock on 2001's Stoned Raiders and 2010's Rise Up, and Middle Eastern music on 2018's Elephants on Acid. For the most part, these albums seem to de-emphasize the rhymes of Be Real and Send Dog in favor of the instrumental tracks that were backing them. Elephants on Acid, for instance, was a 21-track album, but only maybe half of those had any actual rapping on them. Back in Black pretty much takes the inverse approach, trimming off all the fat and bringing Cypress Hill back to their roots. Bass-boosted, Latin-infused, gangsta, and stoner rap. The emphasis is once again on the rhymes, and as a result, the album boasts some of the best rapping I've heard from Cypress Hill in quite a while. It's clear to me what Sendog meant when he labeled Back in Black as a straight hip-hop joint. Both he and Be Real are completely on top of their game for this outing, and their efforts are unquestionably enhanced by the stellar performances of their special guests. Highlights from the album include Certified, with its addictive chorus provided by Demrick. Come With Me, which, on top of also having an addictive chorus, keeps somewhat out of step with its drumbeat to rather enticing effect. Closing track, The Ride, which invokes the classic Illusions single from 1995's Temples of Boom, both in its similar beat and in the sly interpolation of that song's opening line for its chorus. Gangster Rap's Bye Bye and Break of Dawn, the former of which boasts a noteworthy guest turn from Dizzy Wright, and Champion Sound, which seems like it's been beefed up even further from its single release over a year ago. Back in Black was produced by none other than rapper Black Milk, and although the sounds afforded by longtime DJ and producer DJ Muggs are certainly missed, the album's production values give it more of a contemporary appeal while still remaining true to the spirit of 90s Cypress Hill. Ultimately, it may be on the short side, clocking in at around 32 minutes, which is nearly 20 less than Elephants on Acid, and a couple of songs sound a little too similar to others, but Back in Black is lean, mean, and a strong showcase for everyone who lends their voice to it. And if you're wondering if the album will make the ideal soundtrack for your impending 420 holiday, I think you'll find the answer to be an emphatic yes. Alright, next I'm going to play what I believe to be the hardest song on the album, Break of Dawn. Enjoy! I've seen so many things. Out in the street, you feel like nothing. Lo and behold, it's the greatest story ever told. In the dark I roll, never sell my soul. Just keep pushing on and on and on. I'll never stop till the break of fucking dawn. Just keep pushing on and on and on. I'll never stop till the break of fucking dawn. The road's long, stay strong, hold on. Cause I won't stop till the break of fucking dawn. Started in 91, the high and mighty ones. Big guns, tiny ones, a block of 90 sons. Holding an on and some, walling out. On the corner, on the terror blocks, hiding out. Bobbing out, we never cry about what we don't have. We go get it. Live and die, laugh and cry. That's how we live it in the hardest time. We write the hardest lines, never went blind. To the crime, put 
of nickels and dimes When the soul is heavy, you can feel it bearing down Yeah, be careful what you wish and heavy lies the crown When you coming up from nothing, no one be around When it's time for coronation, yeah, they held you down You could play that role, you would sell your soul I would dig your hole, put you in and go When they ask about you, yeah, we don't know I will dig your hole Lo and behold, it's the greatest story ever told In the dark I roll, never sell my soul Just keep pushing on and on and on I'll never stop till the break of the dawn Just keep pushing on and on and on I'll never stop till the break of the dawn The road's long, stay strong, hold on Cause I won't stop till the break of the dawn Innovators over imitators If you really got the hustle, you gon' get the paper Typing rack, burning tracks like incinerators Bring the stacks for the pack, you can taste the flavor In all black, coming through like the Raiders out the tunnel In the way, we gonna rush you on bike, no puzzle Bring the bikes out the huddle, we take off like a shuttle I'm far from subtle, yeah, my ticket trying to bubble Bringing trouble to a city near you Switching lanes on these lanes, leave them in the rear view Because we live this life, watch me rip this mic About to kill this show, too much bitch been hot All this weed I smoke, all this sacrifice All this sleepless nights, I know I don't get twice So every time, I'ma bring it to your doorstep Ready for war, more or less Lo and behold, it's the greatest story ever told In the dark I roll, never sell my soul Just keep pushing on and on and on I'll never stop till the break of the open dawn Just keep pushing on and on and on I'll never stop till the break of the open dawn The road's long, stay strong, hold on Cause I won't stop till the break of the open dawn Yeah.
Like the radio station, College Radio, 89.9 FM. I think I know the 
Primus with Over the Falls off their 1997 album, The Brown Album. It's been nearly five years since the release of the last Primus album, so I figured they had to be coming out with something this year. And I was right. Earlier this month, Primus announced a new EP called Conspiranoid, which is scheduled for release this Friday, April 22nd. This three-song EP was inspired by frontman Les Claypool's fascination with conspiracy theorists, particularly QAnon, and he's taking them down in typical Primus fashion, whimsically and with a touch of snark. This is aptly illustrated in the nearly 12-minute lead single Conspiranoia, a trippy, funky, and proggy number that goes to some interesting places. I don't want to talk about it too much right now, though, because I intend to review and play from the Conspiranoid EP in the next episode of Sounds Like Teen Spirit, and this might represent over 50% of the content. We currently don't know the durations of the other two songs on the EP, Follow the Fool and Aaron on the Side of Caution, but considering that Claypool has labeled the first song as the EP's opus, I'm guessing they're not going to be quite as long. I'll also be tackling the newly released Red Hot Chili Peppers and Placebo albums next time, and hopefully I'll be able to work in the upcoming Rammstein album, Zeit, that's due on April 29th. I'm going to try to have the episode ready to air just three weeks from now, which would put it on Mother's Day 2022, because I feel like I've been playing catch-up with my new releases pretty much all year, and I'd really like to get caught up for once. After this next episode, I reckon I finally ought to be, barring any surprises. 2022 has been a rather front-loaded year for new music, hasn't it? Admittedly, though, most of it has been pretty stellar so far. Anyway, before Primus, I played Happy When It Rains by the Jesus and Mary Chain off their 1987 album Darklands, and A Ways to Go by 311 off their 2011 album Universal Pulse, Fight Till You Die by Pennywise off their 1997 album Full Circle, and Intolerance by Tool off their 1993 album Undertow. And that about wraps up a subversive edition of Sounds Like Teen Spirit on 89.9 KBGA Missoula. I've been your host, Ian. I'm closing out this episode by reviewing and playing a song from the new Weezer EP, Seasons, Spring. I feel like Weezer's activity over the past several years has been less concerned with preserving a legacy than it's been with pursuing whatever crazy ideas Rivers Cuomo may have on a whim. After 15 studio albums released since 1994, and with new ones arriving almost annually now, it feels fruitless to complain about how far removed Weezer is from the classic Blue Album and Pinkerton era, and it's clear that Cuomo doesn't care to entertain that purist mindset. As far as Weezer's future output is concerned, I've decided I'm fine with the band continuing to stray from their modest 90s beginnings, just so long as they're not defying the spirit of those earlier releases to an offensive degree. And honestly, even with such relaxed expectations, I have frequently found it frustrating to be a Weezer fan in recent years. However, I've been somewhat encouraged by the band's two 2021 albums, which still found them exploring alternate avenues, but with decidedly more successful results. And so, it's with cautious optimism that I'm approaching Weezer's 2022 Project Seasons, stylized as SZNZ in all caps, which will see the band putting out a new EP on the first day of each season this year. The band is undertaking this project on the fly, putting together each EP over the three months following the release of the last one, and they're being conceived to musically and lyrically evoke the moods of their respective seasons. 
This strikes me as the epitome of Cuomo's gimmicky yet interesting pie-in-the-sky ideas I alluded to in my intro, and given how dramatically he's been broadening the scope of Weezer as of late, these EPs could end up being pretty much anything. I really didn't know what to expect from the inaugural Spring EP and went into it completely blind, though I reckon that was the case with a lot of people considering the lead single was issued just a few days in advance. Fortunately, what I found was sufficient reason to continue feeling optimistic about Weezer. The EP lays on the springtime motif awfully thick in its first track, Opening Night, a song about Cuomo being hyped for the return of Shakespeare in the Park, apparently. The lyrics are sung to the tune of La Primavera by Vivaldi, whose Four Seasons compositions were reportedly a major influence on this project, and the song itself is driven by acoustic guitar and mandolin strings, with even a little bit of flute playing in the background. Although this song is something of an outlier overall, it adequately sets the stage for the rest of the EP, a bouncy and happy yet somewhat folksy iteration of Weezer, with lyrical subjects that include pagan rituals in the woods, the thawing of winter, and feeling stir-crazy amid pandemic life, and an increased reliance on lush alternative instrumentation not unlike the orchestral pop offerings of 2021's OK Human. For instance, a prominent xylophone track, not to mention some Wiccan chanting, can be heard throughout The Sound of Drums, a charming little number that sounds nothing like classic Weezer, but nonetheless keeps with the spirit of those first couple albums, earnestly dorky as opposed to flamboyantly dorky. For that matter, the Spring EP as a whole doesn't quite harken back to Weezer's heyday, but at least it favors rock music over the auto-tuned synth-pop we've been hearing on some of their more contemporary outings. Overall, I would liken it to the 2008 through 2016 era of Weezer, in other words, from the Red Album through the White Album, and although that era had its share of misfires, it's not the worst thing Weezer could be right now. Some songs even recall the superior early to mid-2000s era of the band. However, there are still traces of Weezer's pop styling scattered about, such as on lead single A Little Bit of Love, which sounds too much like a track from 2017's Pacific Daydream for my liking, and is my least favorite on the EP. Still, this hodgepodge of ideas and influences ultimately amounts to a largely agreeable version of Weezer, and I'm curious to hear what the band has in store for the other three seasons. Alright, the closing track for this episode is my favorite from the spring EP, Angels on Vacation. Yes, that's right, another new song about angels. This one's a little bit nicer, though. Well, happy Easter! Amen.